step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Society 13 Podcast Network. Redefining podcasts. Society-13.com. I like to listen. Welcome to Channel 9 of the STRY Radio Network, where stories live. Before you listen to this podcast, be aware this show often uses very naughty language. If you don't like that, you shouldn't listen. Send your complaints to I am a whiny baby with no sense of humour at nightstory.com or stop by the studio. I'll take you for a ride to a story of my choosing. Today on the Ninth Story Podcast, we have voice actor Jessica McAvoy from the No Sleep Podcast. I'm Jeanette Andromeda. And I'm Immortal Alexander. We are starting off this episode with a clip from the story The Good Thomas Shea from the No Sleep Podcast, which features the talented Jessica McAvoy. And after a brief word from our sponsor, we'll be going right on to the interview. Enjoy. The bag I was holding dropped to my side as every little detail came rushing back. Sarah was at the house that night. She had told me Tommy was coming by and to let him in. Then she went somewhere. She was in the basement. Why was she in the basement? She was crying. I remembered that now. But she was doing something else. Laundry. She was doing laundry. She had to clean her... bed sheets. She had to clean her bed sheets. She told me it was because she had gotten hurt playing with Kevin. No, Kevin told me that. That it wasn't the first time. All of the skeletons came screaming out of the closet. Tiny memories that seemed so insignificant at the time played one after another. Kevin smiling and handing me a CD I really wanted. I don't see why I can't play with you guys. It's a a grown-up game. I fell to my knees. A memory of Sarah and I talking alone in her room. Why do you like Tommy? He's weird. A question asked by a much younger me. She put her pen down and thought for a moment. We 
help each other. Why was I just recalling this now? Kevin's bedroom door appeared before me. Behind it, Kevin and Sarah. Don't tell anyone. Kevin's voice from a decade before echoed in my mind. I threw my hand over my mouth. Oh my God, Sarah. I screamed so loud, the entire store fell silent. Welcome, everybody, to the Ninth Story Podcast. This is episode 515. Today, our guest is voice actor Jessica McAvoy from the No Sleep Podcast. Hey, Jessica. Hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Um, I'm Jeanette Andromeda, too, vo- uh, so that everyone knows voices. Yes, Immortal Alexander here. There we go. Now we've all been introduced. Mm-hmm. Hi, Jessica. <laughs> Hi, Jeanette. <laughs> I can be a creepy fangirl, mostly because you're not trapped in our basement, so that's that's okay then. Yeah. <laughs> Just David's basement, it's okay. There that's fine. fine. That's fine. <laughs> Everybody's in David's basement. <laughs> it's true. Um, so I guess the first major burning question that I have is, how did you get involved in the No Sleep podcast? Ah, oh, that is like the question. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing fancy. Um, when I decided I wanted to try out voice work, there's this website. It's called LibriVox.com. It's kind of mm-hmm. like the Project Gutenberg for audiobooks. Mm-hmm. So volunteers come in and agree to read like public domain stories, and then they're released for free on the internet. And I was on there because I was like, I think I'll try out this whole audiobook recording business, but I wanted like some practice first. And there was a forum on there for like other projects that people were interested in that they were looking for narrators for. And I saw something for something called the No Sleep Podcast. And I was like, ooh, because I knew our No Sleep from like when I was in high school or like early college. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I love No Sleep. I love scary stories. And he was like, oh, we're looking for new narrators and we pay. And I'm like, and they pay. (laughs) So I was like, scary stories? And he's going to pay me to read scary stories? That doesn't seem real. So I was promptly too afraid to immediately audition. I think it was like months later before I finally like was like, I'm going to do it. So I sent in an audition. I think I recorded it like five different times because I was like, it's not good enough. It'll never be good enough. (laughs) It was only like two minutes long. Mm -hmm. Sent it in. And then David was like, cool deal. Just if you see any stories on Arno Sleep that you would be interested in, doing just send the link and i'll look over them and see if this was back before we were like assigned stories this was Mm -hmm. when we like rooted out and found our own stories so then i like scoured no sleep i was like what would be a good story and i finally found one i'm like i can do it and then i sent it in he approved it and then i was on like every week for a while (laughs) and i was like cool what was your first story Mm. oh what was it called it was like my ride home, I was like on a subway trying to make my way home, you know, mm-hmm. and I think there was like a creepy man and he was like staring at me. Maybe he was like a creepy man ghost. <laughs> I don't know. I was too nervous to like fully function what I was doing, <laughs> but what happened? <laughs> some some sort of blackout fugue state happened and suddenly you're just part of no sleep. <laughs> That's pretty much my life. <laughs> 
I think that's fabulous. <laughs> um, so you had to actually go through all of No Sleep and pick out stories initially. That's cool. Yeah, no, it was it was hard because you wanted to pick a story that wasn't like super short mm-hmm. and you wanted one that wasn't like a novel. Mm-hmm. And then you'd read halfway through and you'd find out, oh, it's a man. Never mind. Uh... Or like, oh we're all obviously Australian or English or like from somewhere with some accent that I can't possibly do authentically. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I guess I won't be this 40 year old Russian man, even though this story is really cool, but whatever, (laughs) maybe start the story with, hi, I'm a 40 year old Russian man. Yeah. That would would help. (laughs) Make it a little easier. If like at the beginning of the story, it's like, I'm a 23 year old female from America and then it's just like the story goes on. It's like, ah, oh, there we go. Nailed it. Found me. <laughs> so on your uh, bio, Jessica, for the Nuzly Podcast website, it mentions that you have a very unconventional setup for your recording. <laughs> so when you record, it's very unconventional. Tell us a little about that setup. <sighs> You'll see pictures of it on the internet. Um, <laughs> it is, well, the base is a stack of boxes from my childhood that contain old dolls like Polly Pockets and Barbies and stuff. I don't want to look in there. They're probably like far too possessed by now to like even deal with. (laughs) And then on top of those boxes, we have like board games, like, and these are like, again, childhood board games. So there's like Powerpuff Girls Monopoly and like Junior Scrabble. And then on top of that, (laughs) I have my, uh, my little mic box, which is like foam on the inside to help block out noise and stuff. And then my mic gets nestled in there. And then I put my laptop on top of that where I plug the computer in. And that's it in a closet. Is that where where you are right now? No, I'm in my room right now because that closet gets very warm. (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) Hey, you gotta, you gotta make do with what you have. (laughs) Yeah, it's so professional. Thanks for outing me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, I, I think I, that I, adds to your yeah. professionalism. The determination yeah. that regardless of whether or not the possessed dolls are going to come out and eat you while you record, you mm-hmm. continue to record. Damn it. Yeah, fear you hear very real. I live in constant fear while recording. <laughs> I bet that adds to your performance, actually. <laughs> Entirely. <laughs> So did you go to school for voice acting or are you like just self-taught, like dove into it? I just heard it was a thing you can do. And I was like, I can do things because it was like I found online it was talking about ACX, which is um, the audiobook creation exchange. And it was like people will post their books and the narrators offer to do the books and you can get paid. And I was like, with real money. (laughs) And I was, was like, anybody can do it. And I was like. I'm anybody. So I bought a mic and then I tried the whole LibriVox thing and then I found No Sleep and No Sleep's way better than doing audiobooks. Just going to throw that right out there. But yeah, I just heard it was a thing you could do. So I did it. (laughs) Now I've seen you've done a lot of audiobooks like just through your Amazon link and holy moly, you keep busy, huh? Yeah, I haven't stopped doing audiobooks since I did my first audiobook. I just, the offers eventually just kept coming in. I was like, could we just calm down for a little bit? (laughs) No. When I first 
when I first started, I was afraid to say no to anything mm -hmm. because I was like, I'm new. Like I need all the experience I can get. So I'll say, sure, I'll do this romance novel. No problem. <laughs> I love romance novels. I don't. Um, sure, I'll do this like survival guide book. Why not? You know, like all these books that had like not super great ratings on Amazon or like mm -hmm. the authors didn't have really like large fan groups or anything like that but I was like I need the experience I'll do it and then they end up taking like months or for one particular series like years of my life oh wow so now I'm at the point where I'm like it's it's okay to say no to things mm -hmm. so I'm gonna start saying no to things <laughs> Jeanette's starting to learn how to do that it is such <laughs> a hard, hard skill <laughs> you're like it oh really is. you made something beautiful and you're really proud of it and you asked me to help you with it Right? Because it's like you don't want to let them down. Right. So. It is hard. It's <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the art of saying no. Please go away. Thank you. Because Jeanette's a really uh, talented illustrator. And so she gets contacted quite a bit for a lot of different projects. Some are for fun that she does for friends. And mm -hmm. then a lot are for professional you know, projects. But she gets contacted a lot because of the fact that she has that skill and she can do things so quickly. Yeah. But and, and still, it's like, are, well, are you going to pay me? Okay, that's that's the first question. And then the second one is, is this going to be interesting or am I going to hate every minute of it? <laughs> right, because it's always hard because I'll get offers from other podcasts and they'll be like, oh, we'd like you to do a story on the podcast. And I'll be like, cool, sure. And then like I realized that before I said yes, I should have asked if they were going to pay me because that will you uh -huh. know depend how much time I can really like mm -hmm. spend working on it. Because it's like, I don't mind, you know, helping out newer podcasts get a fan base because, you know, if they see a name that they know, they'll be like, oh, I know her narrating. I'll check out this podcast mm -hmm. or something like that. So I don't mind helping people out. But at the same time, it's like, this is what I do for a living now. Mm -hmm. So I can't just like be like, let me give my voice away for free. Yeah. yeah. But I feel really <laughs> awkward being like, so how much are you going to be paying me for this? Here's my PayPal link. Take care of it, you know? <laughs> Slides across imaginary wink. table. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Right. I do accept tips. <laughs> but I think that's, that's, that's good for people to understand oh, yeah. as creators uh, as well to understand that, you know, people's time is worth money you know when it comes to actually performing and and that's your this is your instrument so when you're you're doing something and you're doing it professionally and you're doing it well you should get paid for that mm -hmm. right and I think a lot of the time it's kind of a misunderstanding of how much time it takes to actually do voice work especially yeah. if there's editing involved because mm -hmm. it's oh, like God, yeah. it's a 20 minute story that's mm -hmm. cool doesn't mean it takes 20 minutes and then you're done it's going to be usually for me 20 minute stories maybe at least double that to record just because there's a lot of pauses there's mm -hmm. um you know stumbling over words or me trying to get like the sentence just right so it's at least like double whatever that takes mm -hmm. and then if i have to edit the whole thing myself it maybe takes four times that amount to edit it to the point that i'm comfortable with sending it off yeah how much editing do you do for i'm gonna ask this in like a two-part question one <laughs> for like no sleep podcast no sleep's not bad at all. No sleep nice. is I record the story and then I go back through and I um, space the sentences out in a way that makes sense for someone to be talking. So it's not like da 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 da. Then there's like three seconds of me like taking a deep breath and like swallowing all my spit and then da 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 da. 
it's just like cutting it into like less than a second per sentence, something like that. And maybe like cutting out gross voice noises because I have a lot of really gross mouth noises. I feel like I have too much saliva. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's what happens that when back you, on the recording. That's what happens when you start recording is you start you know hearing this. all of that stuff because I do. I'm the one that deals with that in post-production for this show. <laughs> So sorry. And so anybody's anybody's gross mouth noises across the board, I t- I, I edit those out. You're welcome. Hey Alex, <laughs> good. Oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> She's just gonna go away for a second, get a jar of uh, sunflower seed butter, and just start eating it. And that's gonna be great. No, no. I have headphones on. That'll be like right in my head. Oh. Yeah, I had to do. Sorry. Uh, um, I had to. I had to do like. Um, what do you call it? Uh, Foley. I had to do Foley for a, a short horror film we did once, and um, I to- I was torturing the guy that was doing the recording because it was just sound really gross sounding for him because we were um, having it. We used like a watermelon. It was like a stabbing noises. So we had like a watermelon. And we we're stabbing that with a butcher knife and then stabbing it in and out and then twisting it and you get these crunchy, slidey noises and these squishy noises. And it it was just like he was just he because he was just looking at his his monitor and just listening to the sound and in a vacuum while we're behind him doing all this weird stabbing crushing weird noises and he's just sitting there and he's just like like ready to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotta hand it to our producers because sometimes like especially Jeff he'll ask me for a vocal for Foley and he'll be like hey, can I get like some grunting or like, you know, depending on the story, like chewing or sighing or screaming or like struggling noises. And I'm like, I am so sorry. Cause I'll do like a few takes of me like, <laughs> and I'm like, enjoy Jeff. Cheers. Have fun, buddy. <laughs> I love it. Um, so the second half of my uh, thought was if, when you edit, uh, how much editing goes into the audiobooks that you record? all of it all of it so that's all on you yeah I um when I do an audiobook I it's the author sends me the story and then I do everything else so yeah that's it's a lot it's going back through and um doing noise removal removing all my own gross my all my own gross mouth noises and there's a lot (laughs) so uh you get really in tune with the sound of your own voice, listening mm-hmm. to it over and over and over again, and just really how disgusting it is to speak. <laughs> yeah, it really can be. Yeah, yeah, it can be. <laughs> um, what kind of software do you edit on? I'm still using Audacity. Oh, nice. I've been trying to slowly switch over to Reaper, but there's like a huge learning curve, and mm-hmm. I've been waiting for like some downtime between audiobooks because it's just. I just can't afford to take the time to like learn it now and like draw out the editing process. Mm-hmm. So it's like I I'm I'm fast to the point you can be with Audacity. So it's like, but I want to because I hear once you get past the learning curve with Reaper, then everything goes like so much faster. And I want to get to the point where editing is so much faster because yeah. that's that's really what like holds me back on getting things out and produced in a somewhat timely manner. Yeah, we we. Uh... We end up using uh, Adobe Premiere because I use that for video editing, but it's got a, a pretty robust, you know, selection of things you can do for audio editing as well. So that's what we end up using right now. And we happen to right get on. that before the cloud happened, so it's more affordable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the cloud is like suddenly, oh, I want Photoshop, $20 a month? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. I guess I'll just keep using Corel and GIMP. 
<laughs> In the beginning of the show, we played a clip from the story "The Good Thomas Shea." You mentioned, oh yay, yeah. <laughs> and, and in your in our pre-interview, you mentioned this is one of your favorite stories that you love recording the most. And we want to know why you love the story, and want you tell us about, uh, you know, what you loved about the, the most in the recording process, and and all that kind of stuff. I guess I just really like stories where I can portray some sort of emotion. Because, like, in my everyday life, I'm not super emotional, like, around people. I'm not, like, crying or screaming or, like, anything. So when I can get in front of a mic and show those emotions, it's kind of cathartic. And I can just, I don't know, kind of feels like sort of a relief to be able to, like, express these things and be able to feel these things. um, Because that's what the point of the story is, to be able to to express these things without holding anything back. Mm -hmm. So the good Thomas Shea... For those who haven't listened, it's a pretty emotional story. I know a lot of people, their feedback was, it was, I wasn't expecting to cry today. <laughs> and when I was reading it, I was like, well, me neither. But here we are. <laughs> so it was, um, it was one of those real life horror situations. It's not like there's no ghosts. There's no demons. Spoilers. Sorry if you were expecting ghosts and demons. It's just like a little slice of this family's life and the aftermath and consequences of people making terrible decisions and just the misunderstandings and communication failures along the way and then growing up and looking back to your childhood and realizing things weren't what you thought they were. And it's a very, it's a beautiful story and it's a sad story. I guess I kind of liked the sad story. <laughs> I yeah. got to use my creepy little girl voice, so that's yeah. fun too. <laughs> and it, it's a really fantastic story, and I think also because of the fact that it was um, the Christmas special, so it's that time of year, and you also have it fact that it's the capper of the story. I think it really tugged on a lot of people's heartstrings, and for me personally, as a person who went through my own childhood trauma, like I definitely resonated with the story itself and it definitely hit me in a very personal spot. Yeah, it was, there are stories that I've done for the podcast that have been rough to listen to or record Mm -hmm. because it's just, it pulls something out of you, but that's sort of important to have. You need to be able to face these things in a safe way mm-hmm. and I think that's a lot of the times what horror does it shows you these things that otherwise may be traumatizing or frightening and you can sit in the safety of your own home where you know nothing is going to hurt you and you can listen to it and you can feel these emotions and you can process them and then you can put them away mm-hmm. most definitely um I that story really did it just it was beautiful and i like what you did with that character too because you kind of transported us both into her past where she was so young and vulnerable and naive and to where she was in the future once she realized what it was and how much i guess my question is how much uh thought did you put into that transition in age in your time in your voice rather well part of it's you know just the simple stuff you change your voice to sound younger and when you sound older, you know, just mm-hmm. the basic mechanicals of sounding like higher pitched and taking on the vocal cadence of a child versus the vocal cadence of like an adult. There's a different rhythm to how you speak. But part of it was just 
it's different to talk like an angry teenager who's mad about things Mm -hmm. and it's different to talk as an adult who's coming to terms with things you can slow things down you can have that realization you're not just like your words aren't as sharp and angry and upset you're slower and you are understanding and it hurts you know it's just it's a it's a different flow when you speak based on, I guess, the different emotions and the different age range you're trying to portray. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, and in a lot of your No Sleep podcast stories, the ones that you mentioned to us as your favorites, they all seem to have kind of this sweet and spooky quality to them, especially the things <laughs> we see in the woods. And I'm wondering... Oh, I love that <laughs> oh my God, that one made me cry so Babe. hard. <laughs> <Babe>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on that particular story? I love that story for multiple reasons. Um, one, I got to do with Peter, and Peter's great. Mm-hmm. And also because it's a ghost story, and I definitely usually lean more towards liking supernatural stories. Like The Good Thomas Shea is usually an exception because real-life horror usually just makes me more angry mm-hmm. than, you know, scared because I'm like, oh, so, didn't you just feel murder? Yeah, but, yes. you know, <laughs> supernatural stuff it's like oh spooky ghosts but so it was a ghost story to start out with but it was interesting because it's from the point of the view of the ghosts and you know there's the emotional level to it of her learning to let go and you know move on which is like the main theme she's trying Mm -hmm. to move on to the afterlife but another thing I really liked about it was there were I had some questions afterwards because The cool thing about No Sleep is they're all from the first-person perspective, Mm -hmm. which means you have an unreliable narrator every single time, which (laughs) works in horror because, you know, if they're seeing it, it's like, are they really seeing it? Are they imagining it? You know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So you have, in this story, an unreliable narrator because being first-person, that's just sort of a given. And so at the end of the story, I was wondering, was Jeremy really a ghost with her? Or was he some sort of other being that was sent there to help her move along yes yeah and so I was also wondering was she really stuck in the woods Mm -hmm. or was it just this plane that she was placed in to try to figure out her things and the ending like this big bad creature I had to wonder if it was actually there or not Mm -hmm. or if this was like her final test you know it's like if she can't give up her past now in order to save human lives or to think she's saving human lives will she ever be able to give up her past Mm -hmm. so it was sort of like this is the final test and I was and if she didn't pass the test I wonder what would have happened so I had a lot of questions at the end like was it exactly as she said it was was she really just a ghost lost in the woods and there's some random evil creature that comes from nowhere or was this whole thing her sort of limbo that she had to solve and figure out herself before she was allowed to pass on yeah. Those were a lot of the same questions I was left with was just like, wow, that was beautiful. But what really was happening? <laughs> <laughs> was it real? Yeah. Yeah. So I I like stories like that where there's I guess more to it than mm-hmm. just like here's a ghost story. It's I like digging a little deeper and sitting back and thinking about things and sort of letting my imagination catch fire with those things and letting it run. Nice. Yeah, and like 
especially watching after watching a movie like The Ring, you're like, all right, well, you can live seven days without, you know, or food or water or whatever. So she dies after five days in the story. Not to be too spoilerish, but like, if you haven't seen that yet, you haven't <laughs> seen it yet but you know, it's just it's just about when she died or how long, you know, whatever. But the fact that the question I still have is. You know, what caused her death? Was it this thing or was it something else or was it just exhaustion or, or what? Right. Have you read the book, The Ring, or I guess no. it's just Ring? No, I have not. I didn't know it was based on a series, Me neither. but apparently it's based on the series. So I bought the book and I read it and it's pretty different from the movie, nice. at least the American movie. I've never seen the Japanese mm-hmm. version, mm-hmm. but in it... The ring isn't like the ring of the well. It's um, it kind of calls back to smallpox. Um, it's oh. like the last person with smallpox. This is gonna be a spoiler if you haven't read the book and you want to read the book. But the last person with smallpox, smallpox, rapes the woman who is or attempts to um, the woman who is in the book Samara. I think in the or in the movie Samara in the book. I think her name's Sudoku, hmm. and um. He attempts to and then, um, I believe, leaves her to die. And the whole underlying theme is like a virus will find new ways to spread. So it kind of almost takes on like this sci-fi thing. Mm -hmm. So the smallpox virus, she's the last person to contract it, but it doesn't want to die with her. So instead, she's a woman with psychic abilities. So she uses her psychic abilities to spread herself, to spread the virus, sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, through the video, sending it to other people, and it's like the spread of a virus. So the ring is more like the ring of like smallpox. Interesting. Oh, that is so cool. That <laughs> is now on my I, I, I need to read it list. And I've been wanting to watch <laughs> Ringu anyway uh, to just see that. how that translates. <laughs> Especially now that I know that there's a book, so I'm like, all right, I'm gonna watch Ringu, and I'm gonna go read the book because I, I, I sometimes like I watched like for the Harry Potter films, I watched them before I read the books. <gasps> So I know. I know because I hadn't heard of them and they were always like, you know, I thought of them as kid book, kids books. So I never really got into them. And then I watched the films and I enjoyed the films and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch since I started watching the films first, because I didn't even hear about them in you know, the books until then. Um, because I was, you know, older, I wasn't a young a little kid when these books came out, I was already an adult. So, um, you know, I ended up watching the films first and then reading the books because to me, I didn't want to spoil the tone of what I've already enjoyed since I'm more of a, you know, audio visual person. And I'm within the past couple of years, got more into reading things beyond comic books and just watching movies. Now I've been reading more novels. And so I, I wanted to experience it the way that I, my mind and, you know, would really resonate with, you know, as far as the audio visual aspect and, and, and the way that it would bring me into the story from that perspective and then go and read the books and get all this extra enjoyment that you know you don't get in the movies because they're compact mm-hmm. right see i read harry potter i guess probably the perfect way to read it because when the first book came out i was about the same age as harry mm-hmm. and my grandmother used to read the books to us every summer oh, before we so got cool. old enough to like read them ourselves mm-hmm and so like when you turn 11 you're like waiting for your letter to hogwarts oh, and i yeah. think it broke every kid's heart after reading the books when the summer passed and you didn't have your letter and then you're like maybe it got lost and you wait for the next summer and you just like (laughs) or or you're like but maybe maybe america doesn't have a school of witchcraft and wizardry maybe that's it maybe maybe they just don't like americans i had that thought because i grew up the same way with those books (laughs) 
Right. And it's what I really like about those books as as the character develops and gets older, you're also developing and getting older and the writing gets developed yeah. as you get older. So like in the first books, like there's like fart jokes and like mm-hmm. kid jokes and, you know, it's like fun for kids. And it's like it's, you know, it's serious because there's like Voldemort and he's evil, but it's not really it doesn't really get into like why he's evil. It's like, oh, he doesn't like muggles. It's like, oh, no, that's not good. But then as you get older, you see the parallels to racism. You see Mm -hmm. the parallels to despotism. And especially when I was in school with things like standardized testing, where it's like the schools would prepare you for the test, but you really weren't learning any practical skills. And as soon as you learn the test, you just dump it. And then they were taking the owls. Mm -hmm. And you had Umbridge who was like, you don't need to practice magic to learn magic. And I was like, I feel you. I feel you guys. I feel (laughs) you guys right now. That's fantastic. So one of the uh, last stories that you had mentioned to us in the pre-interview was the story Lumpy. And so Mm. what was your process for getting into character for that particular story? Oh, process for getting into character. (laughs) Well, I always read the story fully first so I know who I am. And once again, also make sure I'm not a 40-year-old Russian man on accident. (laughs) Um, So I read the story and then... A lot of it's just based on how the author writes. Um, It's a lot easier to narrate a story if they write casually and more informal because that's how people talk. Mm -hmm. So this particular story was mostly dialogue. It was um, a series of phone messages and recordings between me and my boyfriend who was um, away, away in the army. So we just bought this house together and I'm alone trying to settle in there and everything and we're leaving these messages back and forth. So part of it is I don't have to be like, I'm frightened, she said, turning towards the door, which is very unnatural to speak. I mean, it's good writing, you know, but I definitely favor stories where it's like, she was scared (laughs) because that's how you talk. Yeah. Yeah. So that was part of it. So just having the dialogue and not having to interrupt it with like a narration in between the dialogue makes it a lot easier to just speak. And then slowly throughout it as she starts seeing these things and experiencing these things she starts to like lose it which is so much fun I just I just love being like crazy characters who are just like off their rocks it's so much fun so that was another one of the big things I liked about it I really really again I like it when you have these characters that really obviously go through a massive progression I think most of these stories you do that um in, in general, uh, over the whole podcast, but like these ones in particular, there's this beautiful arc in the actual character, and and Lumpy in particular was just like started off so just like light and innocent, and then went so way west of where I thought it was gonna go. <laughs> right, it's all sweet. She's like, "I love you, babe," and he's like, "I love you," and I'm like, "There's like weird dear things." He's like, "That's weird," and I'm like, "Hey, it's getting worse." <laughs> and then I think at the end I'm just like making like nonsensical sentences just like word drivel and yep. I'm like sorry about it boyfriend oh god the part where you just like you've totally lost your mind you're like eyes scraping something crawling need to <laughs> right? mash it I'm like what is going on right now how do I even say this I was like just go for it make it sound weird <laughs> Yeah, you succeeded. It it kind of reminded me of um, the reanimated folks from Pet Cemetery, you know, a lot from 
Yeah. Okay, Pet Cemetery is to date, and it's probably because I watched it when I was way too young to watch it. Pet <laughs> Cemetery to date, the scariest movie I've ever seen. Yeah. I I uh, think I also watched that one a little too young. <laughs> it's terrifying. Yeah. It's it wasn't even like the creepy kid though, like Mm-mm. the whole scene where he like gets the dude's Achilles, like that scarred me for life. I was like, yeah. I'm just gonna jump into bed for the next ten years. <laughs> it was the sister, um, the wife's sister, Zelda. Zelda, I think oh my it was. god, yeah, it is Zelda. Yeah. It was there was something about those scenes that just like shook me up where she was just up there and her sister was downstairs and she was like calling for her sister in that voice and her sister just like wanted her to finally die. Like that's what stuck with me, I think, more than like this creepy little possessed kid. It was mm-hmm. just like the sister scared me. <laughs> I think it was the pets that got to me, <laughs> actually, because I grew up with a lot of dogs and rabbits and cats and things. And the thought that they would come back but not be happy with me afterwards was really terrifying. It's like, please, please don't hate me when you die. I love you. <laughs> we had a we had a whole menagerie, too. And a lot of the time they'd end up buried in, like, the backyard uh-huh. or the front yard. So just, you know, I guess I was like, they're safe. We didn't bury them in some weird cemetery. Like, my <laughs> hamster's under the rose bush. Like, that's what she would have wanted. Yeah. <laughs> We did we did a uh, uh, pet sit for uh, one of our neighbors at our old place we lived at, and it was like a little chihuahua, and it was just so sweet and cute. But they never house broke it, so they kept it in a little like cat carrier when they weren't all home. That thing yeah. turned into something from pet so cemetery. So they told when you us tried to put him to bed. Exactly, they told <laughs> us every night when you're done, you know, walking the dog at the end of the night, put it in the cat car- carrier so it doesn't pee everywhere because uh-huh. they never house broke it properly. And it's like an eight year old dog, uh-huh. and we're Jeez. like. And we're like, you know, we would try it at first, you know, just kind of, you know, respect their wishes. But then it would just turn into a little Cujo every single time we try to put it in there. <laughs> we literally Chihuahuas were like, are vicious. oh, man, they are. Um, at one point, we were wearing oven mitts to try and put them in the cage. And eventually <laughs> we're like, you know what? We'll just clean up the pee. Yeah, we, we, just, <laughs> we called them up and we're like, you know, we can't do this. This is emotionally wrecking Jeanette. She just never had a dog or any animal bark at her ever. Oh, no. Yeah. All of my pets have been pretty darn chill. I've had one cat who was just like, I hate you. And I would just hold him anyway. <laughs> chihuahuas. Are, there's a lot of chihuahuas um, around where I live just because it's the Southwest and every other person has a chihuahua. Yeah. But um, my friend had uh, her mom had two chihuahuas and those chihuahuas loved her. They'd follow her around. They were the sweetest thing to her. But to absolutely nobody else. <laughs> they'd like nip at you. They'd like mm-hmm. growl at you. I'm like, well, I just wanted like a snack. Can you can calm down. <laughs> nope. I'm a chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we recently interviewed Addison Peacock about the closing shift at Pizza Hut. You did. Awesome. Did. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Um, so the closing shift at Pizza Hut was, I wanted to talk to you about that one as well, because you were involved in that. And I was wondering what, for you, it was like mentally while recording that episode. I honestly didn't think it was going to be that memorable of an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just like, oh, cool story. The gross, honestly, like the worst part for me was like when she had to like clean up the bathroom afterwards yeah. and there was like towels everywhere. I'm like, cause I've done that. Like I worked nights at um, a movie theater oh. and before you left, you'd have to go check the bathrooms one more time mm-hmm. before the like night cleaning staff came there. And one night I went in there 
and I heard some girl throwing up and I was like, oh, no, no, I am not. No, I've already cleaned up puke today. I had to clean up poop earlier. Like I'm oh, just because no. like it, at the theater, they'd be like, all right, every 15 minutes, if you were working usher, you'd have to go into the bathrooms and check the bathrooms, make sure they were clean. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you'd go in there and there'd just be like a toilet full of toilet paper. And you're like, how? Why? <laughs> Like, I don't understand. And there's just, like, water on the floor. It's like, what were you doing? Did you bring water balloons? Like, what is your issue? And so, like, listening to her, like, going into the bathroom to check the bathroom on a closing shift, I'm like, mm, I feel you. I've been there. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I used to work at a, 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 a buffet place, and I refused to work in the bath to, to clean the bathroom. I'm like, nah, I'm not. I'm just not doing that. I saw the type of folks that would come in and eat there. And I'm like, I am just not, <laughs> not okay. it was, it was actually one of the scariest jobs I've ever had. Cause at one point we had a, a power outage while we were working on our shift. And so everybody had, they had to tell all the patrons it's okay. You're here. We know you're, you're here and you, you're, you know, you're not gonna have to have to pay again, but you're gonna have to go outside for a few minutes while we get the power back up. And all these folks were just standing there, staring back through the glass like these hungry zombies, <laughs> just like staring, just waiting for the power to come back so they can come in and gorge and all this food. Because you'd pay like, I think it was like eight bucks at the time for like Country Kinship Buffet. And you'd pay eight bucks and you could stay there all day. And they would, a lot of folks would treat it like almost like going to an amusement park. Like you pay your eight bucks, you come there first thing in the morning and you stay all day. And then they'd oh stay, stay for like yeah. an extra hour past... Um, past closing just to just won't even let us take their dishes they just sit there and just continue to converse and, and drink coffee just sitting on their butts all day for like you know 12 hours or however long the place was open wow jeez that is dedication and like Seriously? some of the other workers would like kind of torture them when they when the power was out and they would just like sit there and eat like you know rolls or whatever and it's like mm, this is so good and they would stare at them <laughs> stare at them and joke jealous of that that piece of bread they're eating it was just yeah it was creepy this was my binge day how dare you get in between me and my all-you-can-eat buffet <laughs> i actually was at a buffet once and the power went out it was like a it was during monsoon season uh-huh. and um i wasn't there all day don't worry it was like a <laughs> it was like a chinese buffet mm-hmm. and then so we got there because it was late and it was like the only thing open and the power went out and we're like oh man but then like the servers like had flashlights and they'd like did you want more food and then they'd like follow us around and then they like mm-hmm. shine the flashlight on all the food and I'm like I feel like the biggest inconvenience in the world right now oh, no. <laughs> so I was like I can get the ice cream myself like you don't need to like set up and stop what you're doing and like help me like it's okay because it's like being an inconvenience is like yeah the thing I hate the most in the world oh. So I was like, I guess I just I just won't eat anymore because I don't want to bother anyone. The, yeah, the, the the Asian buffet places are a lot more polite than the American buffet places. Mm-hmm. And, and when I when I worked there, they had people on um, as like a prison work leave or something. Some people that were in prison that were working with us as well in the kitchen and stuff that they had worked in the kitchen in a prison and now they're working at Country Kitchen buffet buffet and and so we had a lot of different folks working with us and most of them just hated being there you know so like even the manager they had like eight managers running around and it was just like the worst because it was just yeah it was chaotic and nobody wanted to be there to work there and so it was like insane yeah it was not not a fun job yeah that's the worst when nobody wants to be there Mm -hmm. and nobody's like making an effort yeah they're just like just pay me so i can leave (laughs) please 
That's why I'm here. Please don't make any <laughs> thoughts that I like cooking. I like serving these zombies. I, you know, <laughs> cleaning that bathroom where the zombies decompose. No. <laughs> so, Jessica, what are some yeah. of your favorite horror films? Favorite horror films? Mm -hmm. Ooh. I definitely lean probably towards the Asian horror movies. Nice. Like A Tale of Two Sisters, which is definitely up there on my list. Mm -hmm. um, because they, uh, I don't know if they, it's still a thing, but I know like back, they like to take really traditional aspects of filmmaking. They, so they do a lot of practical effects. So it's not, because that's something that like ruins my immersion is if I can notice CGI, mm -hmm. which sort of ruined like mama for me. Like, cause I was like, oh, yeah. come on guys. Couldn't you have just hired like a really tall woman to like be creepy? That would have been so much better than mm -hmm. like computering a ghost. But like, so I know like when they did, I think it was the grudge they tried to mm -hmm. mimic that like asian filmmaking so when she's in the shower and there's like the fingers coming yeah. like out of yeah. her hair and stuff they didn't cgi that they had someone behind her like with their fingers coming out of her hair <laughs> yeah <laughs> which makes it so much creepier because you're like so that's much solid better. that's real oh my god <laughs> and then she's she's just, you know in the, in the after and outtake she's like you know yeah a little just get the lather out just kind of rub it in there it's fine <laughs> yeah more conditioner please <laughs> And like, so like, and the chick when she's like going down the stairs and it's all like contorted and yeah. like creepy and like bone, like she, the actress actually did that. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, that's so much, that's so cool. It's just, it's so much spookier. It's so yeah. much creepier than like trying to like force this like computerized image of something scary. It's just so much better when like it looks real because it needs to feel real. Otherwise it just takes you out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They did that in the, uh, one of the outtakes of the exorcist which they put in i think in the extended cut of the exorcist they had um the that's the main character she was coming down the stairs like upside down walking down the stairs so spooky yeah. it is I, I mean anyone who can do that kind of contortion i'm just like do you do you have bones <laughs> i don't understand but it's terrifying there's uh anytime i see that i'm just like wow there's this one video on uh, Facebook I saw. It was just this guy who does exactly that kind of contortion, but somehow he like keeps his head stable and the rest of his body spins around. I'm like, are you Bart Owl? Oh <laughs> <laughs> man, you found him. I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> so Jessica, what are some of your favorite books or short horror stories that you enjoy? Sure it's like horror in general or like just books in general uh, any, any, we if, could be here all day. if it's like a one <laughs> a couple of one-off stories or um a, a specific book that you really enjoy or or maybe more specifically like what are some of the books that got you so into reading or like experiencing storytelling oh uh, well i grew up i think like most kids um on a steady diet of goosebumps mm-hmm it was just, and then there was the like sto scary stories to read in the dark growing up. And I never really noticed that I had a trend going towards like scary books. Cause to me, they weren't really scary, except for like a few stories and like scary stories to tell in the dark. For the most part, it was just like interesting to me. Mm -hmm. I was like, ooh, cause I liked mythology. I liked creatures. I liked ghost stories. I liked supernatural stuff. And so to me, it was just like a lot of fun. And it's, I guess, I didn't really notice that I had like a horror kick until I started doing the podcast. People are like, what, what got you into horror? I'm like, I didn't really notice I was into horror. But <laughs> but then I guess I got older. 
I found more books. And it's sort of hard as a teenage girl to find books growing up because everyone's like, oh, here's this book. And it's like all romancy. And I'm like, I just, could we not? Is there anything else that you could recommend for me that isn't this? Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, harder to like find books that were, because, you know, books that were targeted for my age group and at my reading level were typically not things I was particularly interested in. So Mm -hmm. I started reading books that were more for grownups. Mm -hmm. And eventually, shout out to Kim Kelly for introducing me to Neil Gaiman, who is my favorite author of all time. Yes. So like when I found Neil Gaiman, something just kind of like clicked in my mind about, yes, I want to do this. I want to tell stories for the rest of my life. Like that, that would be. That's what I, in whatever form I can. So it's like I found voice acting, which is a fun way to tell stories, but just something about like his stories, they were just, they were never 100% completely explained. Like they didn't fill in all the little details. Mm -hmm. And I liked that because in my mind, I was like, well, this could be this. And like, then I'd fill in the details and I'd like, it set up my own ideas for stories and like worlds and creations and characters and so a lot of my favorite books, almost all of them are Neil Gaiman books like Neverwhere, American mm-hmm. God, yeah. and his short story collections. Like usually short story collections are kind of hit or miss, but I devoured like Smoke and Mirrors, Fragile Things, New One Trigger Warnings. It was just everything I wanted. It's these little bite-sized stories. And a lot of them had like horror themes mm-hmm. or like fantasy themes, but it just it was just everything I wanted. <laughs> Did you read his uh, Sandman graphic novel as well? I read most of them because Kim, yeah. again, shout out to you, Kim, wherever you are. But <laughs> she had the full collection. Yeah. And But then she left um, after junior year of high school. And so my connection to the comics was gone. And there's no comic shop in my town. Yeah. Like, Well, you can, you can my... definitely kindle um, a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, and rate it on your phone if you, you know, I think it might be a little less expensive to have, but we have the full collection and I got Jeanette. And when I first met my wife, Jeanette, next to me right here. He wooed me You're with Neil married? Gaiman. <laughs> yes, we are. we're married. <laughs> and no, when we, uh, babies. I know, I know, right? But when we, babies. We, we met on a movie set, uh, she was working in the art department and I, uh, and, and so I, I ended up, I was going to end up working in camera department, but I knew the producer. And so I ended up being key PA because they had so many PAs running around. And I gave her, um, I think it's Endless Nights, the uh, mm-hmm. story from the, the uh, Sandman. It's like a side story uh, that you read after, it comes after, kind of after, is it after that or before? I think it's actually before it. I think Endless Nights is actually like a prequel to mm-hmm. the uh, the whole series. And so I gave her my bound, you know, hardback copy of Endless Nights because I said, I love this a lot, but you know what? You're really awesome here. I think you're going to enjoy this because <laughs> I saw her art and all the things that she was working on for a set. She was like making all the comic book covers for this comic book scene for in a, in a comic book store. She made every single cover in there. She um, designed, worked on building this circus cage. Uh, there is like an art gallery scene in the movie. The movie is called Fog Warning. You can watch the whole thing on uh, YouTube. It's, it's wonderfully um, terrible. You've been warned. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it, it's an actual it's an actual release, but the company put it out on YouTube. The whole thing. Uh, so if you look up Fog Warning on YouTube, you find it. And there's a whole scene with Jeanette uh, where there's an art gallery scene, and they. Uh, I I filled the whole gallery with my artwork and then I dressed up the way I imagined that I would want to be when I was a professional artist. (laughs) 
which involved as much hot pink and black objects as I could put on my body at once. And I was like, this is me. And she's like drinking a glass of orange juice with her pinky up. When they cut to her, like, who's the the artist? Oh, Jeanette Drake. And then she like puts her pinky up and drinks the orange juice and, you know. That's right. Hot pink and black checkered tights, bitches. (laughs) It's still who I think I am. lent you his comic books is that when you knew it was true love where you're like I, I, yeah <laughs> he shared no, I, I gave story. it to her it was, gave it to this me. was a gift you so. gave it to her I gave it he to was her smitten <laughs> Dude, I worked. don't even think I would do that to like yeah. anyone <laughs> <laughs> I love this book but I might love you more I'm not gonna say love though because that would be weird we just met <laughs> I gave her that and I Very had this I uh, had this like uh, life-size it was like a skull. skull. He gave me a skull and Neil Gaiman and won me over. Yeah. It had like all these like tribal like markings all over the skull. It's like a fake skull with tribal like markings all over it. It's, it's a paperweight, but it's like a life-size skull. And I'm like, I think you'd dig this. Like maybe you'd want to use it for life drawing or whatever, you know. I was like, yeah, life. that'll sit next to my pillow. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's good times. <laughs> oh, such romance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So, uh, what for going back to the No Sleep podcast? What was one of your most difficult episodes to record? Oh, difficult episodes. Probably, I've t- I talk about this all the time. It is a beautifully written story. It is a good story. I think it's an important story. It's Baraska. I couldn't finish reading it. Oh. I haven't listened to it. I had to skim through the ending parts of it mm-hmm. uh, to find if I had any more lines left and to figure out the gist of what happened, but couldn't read it. Can't read those details. It made me so angry. I was like about to hit stuff. Yeah. So this one was a uh, like based in real life situation, I'm guessing, because I'm not. I need to look up Baraska. Yeah. You don't know Baraska? I don't think I do, which oh, is surprising. Man, it was the season seven finale. It was probably oh. our most controversial episode that we've done just because some people were really either this was horrible. They just did this for shock value or people were like, oh, this was really well produced because it had like a full cast. Brandon did beautiful music for it. You know, like everything was like really well done, but just the content matter upset a lot of people, which is understandable because you should be upset hearing that content matter. Yeah. It should make you upset because horror, I think as a genre, it's not just there to like give you a cheap thrill or to scare you. It's mm. there to make you uncomfortable. Yeah. It's there to elicit emotions and it elicited very strong emotions. I, I, and sometimes we don't remember the titles ver- versus the story. The so what, I know we've listened to it. So what was the gist of that particular story? It starts out with um, this kid. He moves to a town where his father becomes a police chief um, and his sister ends up going missing. And, you know, he's really upset about it and he tries to find her, but she goes missing. You remember? Oh, my God. Yes. And it was really disturbing. He's got two best friends. I was Uh one of them. I was Kimber. That's right. And. they start to grow up and they're like, you know, they renew the search for his sister mm-hmm. and they find out what happened to his sister and other missing women in the town. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of little hints along the way that like if you go through and look at it a second time, you're like, it, the, it was right there the whole time, which yeah. is why when people say, oh, she just pulled it out of nowhere. It was a cheap shock value. It's like, look, mm-hmm. read it again. Yeah. Yeah. But 
Yeah, uh, now now I I do remember that one. I remember sitting down after listening to that one because I I usually listen to podcasts while I like wash dishes or do art or something, and that one I literally was like just sitting at on my couch just listening to it, and then when it was done, I just sat there longer and was like, oh my god, wow, because it is it's just it's a shocking story, but it's also the truth of what it is is the um, spoiler alert, dear listeners. The human trafficking aspect is genuinely horrifying yeah. and real. It's very real. Because the whole oh. time, yeah, the whole time you're like, please just let, like once you figure it out, you're like, please let it be monsters. Please let yes. me be wrong. Please let it be like something supernatural. And I yeah. think that is the point. You would so much rather it just be a ghost mm-hmm. than it to be people. And that story upset me. It was like maybe even a full month before I could get it out of my head because mm-hmm. it made me feel so helpless and just disgusted. And yeah. I was like, this this actually happens. I mean, yeah. maybe not specifically in this regard, but mm-hmm. this happens on a daily basis. Yep. And there's nothing I can do about it. And that hurts. And yeah. it just... I was like, I don't, I don't even know how I would do something about this. Like, I just, where do I throw my money to stop this? Like, can someone please just teleport me to things when this is happening so I can do something? Because it just, you don't want to be reminded of these things. And I think that's another theme in the story. It's like, you don't want to think about this. Like the rest of the town that goes on with their lives are like, how could they just sit by and let this happen? It's like, we as a society do this happens. We don't want to think about it mm-hmm. because we don't know how to stop it. Right. Well, there is um, there's this guy named Frank Barnaby. He has the uh, Frank Barnaby Institute, and his job his thing is specifically about getting women off the street. He personally um, goes and helps them. Yeah, he personally goes and helps them. Um, I'm not. I know his. I don't know if he still does it himself because he's an older gentleman. But I know that the institute still exists and. Um, I've got, he, like, he was on Oprah, on Oprah about it, but that's what he does. And I've talked to him because I was in the process of working with another gentleman to make a documentary about him and the project kind of fell apart and they found another company they wanted to work with, but I got to speak with him quite a bit and he would basically just walk up to these folks and, and gain their trust over the period of years and then eventually try to help get a plan together to get them off the street where he'd find them a place to live and help get them back into school and get their lives together and get away from there. And, and, you know, it was just definitely a heartbreaking thing hearing a lot of these stories. Uh, there was one about, um, a mother and daughter and, um, the mother died before, you know, she could get out. And then before he could get the daughter off the street, she ended up getting HIV, Mm. Uh, but he did eventually get her off the street. Um, because they would they would basically try to eventually push her their, the daughter into the life as well, um, and so it, it's a heartbreaking thing. But I think it's it's good to know that there is there are people out there that do help. And definitely, I'll put some links in the show notes for everybody. Uh, Frank Barnaby Institute. If anybody's interested in contacting them and uh, seeing if there's any other you know things that they can do about that, uh, definitely it's a good thing. And we a friend of ours actually wrote a book about uh, human trafficking called uh, the Berlin Turnpike. Which, which is a, I, I, I still haven't read. Which is about the Berlin Turnpike in Connecticut, which um, has the most <laughs> prostitution out of any other part in the state because there's more hotels per like square foot than anywhere else yeah. in the state. As you drive down that highway, it's just like motel, 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 motel. It's like 
when I first moved into this area, I was like, why on earth when you need so many motels, there's nothing to do around here? Yeah. Now I know. Yeah, there's somewhere like that in Arizona, too. It's, I don't think it's the same as it used to be. But back in the day, I remember we were driving down and I was like, wow, there's a lot of motels around this area. And mm-hmm. then the friend I was with was like, really, Jessica? And I was like, what? And they're like, do you not know where we are? I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> And then, I mean, there's a certain point where, you you know, you're too young to even think about or, or naive <laughs> to think about why these things exist. And and then suddenly someone says that and you're like, oh, this light bulb is on and now I'm seeing things I wish I didn't have to see anymore. Right. And then the world is just a little bit of a darker place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I didn't want to know that. But Mm-mm. again, that's that's, I think, one of the big themes in the story. Yeah. You want to, you don't want to know it. Cause after I read Baraska, my immediate reaction was, I want to unread this. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to think about this, but yeah. I think, I guess you have to, because otherwise you're forgetting that this happens and you're mm-hmm. forgetting that people need help and you're forgetting that maybe there is something you can do. So the Frank Barnaby Institute, you said Correct. it was? Yeah. All right. Anybody, if Baraska upset you, if Baraska legitimately upset you, Look up the Frank Barnaby Institute. Find out what you can do about it. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think knowledge is definitely key uh, because a lot of state organizations and even police departments don't really do anything about it. Um, that's the one thing you need to understand: is you rather go through an outside institution, an organization, than your local police department because most likely they know about it. And there are, you know, sad to say, especially with the Berlin Turnpike, there are police departments that actually take advantage of this and and for their own gross needs and and uh you know do the bare minimum and then you know really don't do anything to improve these people's lives because they don't see them as people and that's Mm -hmm. the worst part of it right so everybody we can make a difference let's go do it (laughs) yay yay the upside (sighs) yes find an organization or even start an organization whatever you can do um Mm -hmm. because it takes you know, people on the ground actually caring and putting that effort in. And it's not an easy thing to do. Um, maybe if you can donate to an organization, if that's easier for you to do, that's better. Uh, but if you do get involved in any of these organizations, it's dangerous. It's not an easy thing to be involved with if you're going to be doing things directly. Uh, and so it's up to you as far as how much effort and what works for you as far as your own personal safety and, and needs. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> sorry. Pregnant silence. Sorry, I'm just like thinking of like sad stuff now. I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. No, it's all good. Well, I mean, we 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 tell stories because because these need to be talked about. Because well, not just because of the real life stuff, but also because um, fiction gives us a sense of escapism Mm -hmm. from a lot of the the bad things in the world. But we can tell poignant stories that do um, you know create positivity that you know it gets people thinking about things because sometimes you have to look at the ugly things really understand them before you can really do anything effective Mm -hmm. to help right and I think that was another problem people had with Baraska because at the end nothing happened like it the the kid escaped but he didn't you know he didn't really save anyone except for Kimber spoilers it says go listen to Baraska like for real yeah for reals but um but you know he didn't he felt like and people were like, well, he didn't do anything. Oh, these kids, they were so unlikable. It's like, if you were a teenager and you were in this situation, what would you do? Yeah. Like, you're not going to know how to handle this. You're not going to know how to react. Like, if 
people in higher up positions, your own family are part of this. Where do you turn? Where do you go? How do you do something? So it was just it, people felt like, oh, the protagonist should have done more. You should have saved everyone. It's like How? you can't save everyone. And yeah. that's another one of the hard truths. And but if you can save one person, that's a start. Yeah, exactly. Just one person. It makes a difference. Um, so right. to kind of shift to happier thoughts, hopefully. Um, <laughs> Good transition, Jeanette. Yeah, Jeanette, Ooh, great job. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just talking to myself, even though I'm talking to two people. Woo. Um, so you went on tour for the No Sleep Podcast live, which is I awesome. <laughs> and I would love to hear about some of your experiences on that tour. Sure. Where do you... Uh, it was It was a long tour. <laughs> it was. Um, I, I mean, we got to see you in New York City, which was awesome. And then extra bonus, the fact that that became the live episode for yeah. No Sleep. I was yeah. just like, oh, I was one of those people making noises in the background. Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. And we got to meet you momentarily, <laughs> momentarily with, uh, with, yeah. Dan, with Dan Foytek from the Wicked Library. Um, yeah. So that was lovely. That yeah, was. You guys were at the meet and greet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, did you want to do an interview on our show? And I was like, sure. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> Yay! Exactly. <laughs> New New York was an interesting one. Yeah. Um, Fun fact for anybody who listened to the live show, that is the only time I did what I would say my regular speaking voice for that particular story. The other times as I was playing Dr. Weaver, I had like a nerdy Dr. Weaver voice, which all the other crew really liked. I was like, I think I'll try out like a different voice for her tonight. And then afterwards, I was like, do you guys like that voice better? Or like the other Dr. Weaver voice? They're like, Jessica, do the nerd voice. I was like, (laughs) all right. So the rest of the show sounds like this. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Um, what was one of your favorite places to visit during the tour? Oh, that has to be Alameda when we finally went to warm places mm-hmm. and out of the barren frost that is the Northeast. <laughs> uh-huh. mm-hmm. I don't know how people live there, but whatever, power to you. <laughs> but we um we stayed in Alameda for our Oakland show and we finally had like a day to like not have to like rush to the venue or like travel. We finally had like some time to just like sit and hang out as a group. Mm-hmm. Walk and the weather was nice. And we went down to the bay and there were like ducks and stuff. And there were like children on a field trip laughing. And there was grass and everything didn't smell like weed anymore because that's what LA smells like it just (laughs) smells like weed and human waste so you could like breathe and I was like happiness (laughs) I was it was just so and then hanging out with some of the best people I've ever met in my life the Mm -hmm. people I went on tour with shout out to you guys it was just it was a really nice day (laughs) nice Speaking of the the smells of Elliot, it reminds me of a X Files episode where they had these uh, two gentlemen in a barn and they were huffing uh, dried cow manure. That's a terrible idea. And, it, and then there was like there was something about bugs, and I didn't. I, and I, I had never heard that people would like ignite and, and huff cow manure to get high. I'd never heard of that in my life. Like people are gross. It's like, true. I just, and people will do gross things for like small satisfactions. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like, like come on, you're better than huffing cow manure. Yeah. Anyone out there, like, like if that's like the point you reach in your life, 
you're better than that. You're good. Maybe enough. rethink some life decisions. Yeah. You know, like it'll be okay. We can get past this. Yeah. You're good enough. You're smart enough. And gosh darn it, people like you. Yeah, you're beautiful, cow manure huffers. You really are. <laughs> you don't need this. You can do better. It's always it's always weird. I mean, I I hear constantly news stories about different things that people do to get high, and I just find it completely bizarre and and uh-huh. un- unfathomable. My dog is addicted to toads. Toads. Nice. <laughs> nice. Does he get all bug eyed like, after he licks them? He once he went too far because he'll like search them out at night, <laughs> and so we have to like watch him. I'm like, George, are you in the corner? Is there a toad? Do we need to have a talk? And then once. <laughs> He came in, he was like out of his eyes were super dilated. Oh, he boy. couldn't walk. He was like panting. We're like, he gonna die because he was trying to get high off of toads. <laughs> My stupid dog is going to die because he overdosed on toad. I was like furious. I was like, this oh, is the gosh. stupidest thing that's ever happened. Yeah. But he, he pulled through. He got that's over great. it. I was like, and I just looked at him like, shame on you. <laughs> Stop it we're gonna toads, put you in man. detox. We're gonna lock you in the barn for a couple of days and because he's this stupid little Maltese poodle mix. So he's like super like, because he got like snipped early on. So he never knew he was a boy. Uh-huh. He was just like this little eunuch who just floated through life. <laughs> and everyone loved him because he was cute. And I'm like, now you, you now you develop an addiction. Like, mm-hmm. trash. <laughs> <laughs> Puppy trash. <laughs> Uh, so do you do any writing of your own, Jessica? Secretly. Ooh. Nobody knows. <laughs> well, now they do. No, now they do. Um, when, in your own writing, what kind, like, do you have a certain genre that you're drawn to or themes that you're drawn to? I definitely like more, I guess, fantasy, but not like old fantasy, not like knights and like fairies and elves like back in medieval times where everyone Mm -hmm. has like really hard to pronounce names and like (laughs) stuff like that i like like dark urban fantasy where it's like just like things like a seaside british pub Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. one of my favorite stories we've done on the podcast but stuff like that where it's like just underneath this veil of the real world there's something else you know like like Neverwhere and that Neil Gaiman wrote yeah. where it's yeah. like that you have London and then you have London underground and you just you just can't see it but it's there. I just I like that stories where there's just this there's magic in the world in these dark pockets and corners of the universe yeah. and sometimes you just stumble into them. Did you ever go into an alley and start tapping on some bricks hoping the Diagon Alley would appear? You know, I just I just wanted to believe so badly. And but it's like I have a skeptic's mind. So it's like even yeah. though I love ghost stories and like paranormal stuff and stuff like that, I cannot force myself to fully believe it. Yeah. So there's um there's a city in Arizona called Jerome. It's this little city built into the mountain, so driving there is treacherous, but mm-hmm. it's a pretty famous ghost town and they have like ghost tours and stuff. So we went there once with my mom who definitely believes in ghosts mm-hmm. and so we went on a ghost tour and it was night because of course it has mm-hmm. to be night for ghosts um and he was like taking us to all these places where like you know death and bad things happened and all that fun stuff and then like people were like taking pictures and like show him the pictures like is this an orb and i'm like that is dust yeah. that is dust <laughs> you are dust. looking at right there yeah and like people like oh people get chills here and i'm like 
look, I am very sensitive to the cold and I feel nothing. I feel nothing. And I wanted to feel something. I wanted to be scared. Like I wanted ghosts and spooks and all sorts of fun stuff. And I'm instantly disappointed every time there's not. It's like, just please, if there were like, just give me like a little evidence of like fairies or elves and I would follow it. Like just, where is the closet to Narnia? Like I want it so bad. Oh my God. I want to believe. Yeah. I ended up seeing the uh, the animated version of that, uh, the the Chronicles of Narnia in, in elementary school, I believe. And yeah, like I really, really wanted that, and like the Phantom Toll Booth. I just wanted to find something that brought me to another world, or uh, the film Ta- Time Bandits, where like the kids in his bedroom. You ever seen Time Bandits? I haven't. It's uh, a good one. If you like fantasy movies at all, or Harry Potter, you'll love Time Bandits. It's an old British comedy uh, adventure movie with a kid, and Ooh. and uh, so he is in his bedroom at night and his parents are just kind of like almost like Shaun of the dead where they just do these monotonous things and they ignore reality. And so they don't really you know, acknowledge him. They're just completely disconnected as parents. And so one day in his bedroom, um, these dwarves appear and they are time bandits. They're these people that basically helped to put the world together with God and they decided to, t- to use these little holes in the in the fabric of the universe to go around stealing shit through time. So, so who wouldn't? Exactly. Right? <laughs> so he ends up he ends up uh, inadvertently end up going on with them on this adventure, and it's a fantastic film. If anybody has not seen Time Bandits, you have to go out right now and watch it because it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, Sean Connery's in it. Uh, Shelley Duvall's in it. Um, it's just a really fantastic piece of fantasy. And I was just looking at that and just be like, you know, imagine being in your own room and all of a sudden this fantasy world opens up within your own room. And he had all these like posters of, you know, knights and adventure on his, on his wall. And all of a sudden it came to life. Like he's looking at this poster of a guy, a black knight on a horse and he's hearing the galloping sounds and he's just like, Oh my God, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) I think we have a generation of kids that grew up, wishing there were monsters Mm -hmm. to fight and adventures to have and then you grow up and you're like i have to do real life i I was promised so much more than this yes (laughs) yeah we all feel that way according to everything i've seen up to this point there is magic there are monsters and i'm supposed to be using both (laughs) so right it's like i could do it like I don't care. It's like, uh, and it was always like frustrating in the mm. books because they like they fall into this magical world. And they're like, we have to find our way home. I'm like, why? Why? Yeah, fuck <laughs> that. Sucks. Like, <laughs> you have magic now. You are the chosen one. You're gonna forsake being the chosen one because you miss your mom. Grow up. Exactly. <laughs> so much cooler. Therein lies the conundrum. If they do, they no longer can go. We're like at the end of Army of Darkness, where Ash wants to go home, and you're like, why? Seriously, <laughs> what, what are you missing? Some lame I'm gonna job. Go, I'm going to go home and no. work at S-Mart. That's great. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> that makes no sense. Continue yeah, in but... this wonderful world. <laughs> but then I think, I guess I reached the point in my life because for a while it was like, all right, go to college, get a job, mm-hmm. you know, be successful, do all that stuff and, you know, live your life. And then maybe when you're old, you'll have enough money and time to do what you really want to do. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I want my life to be a book. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to go on adventures and, like, maybe there may not be explicit magic in the world, but there's still, you know, I guess other forms of magic, you know, 
not in like the specific sense, but like in a weird metaphorical sense, you know, Mm -hmm. there's cool things. And I was like, I want that. I don't want this life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I decided I wanted to make my life an adventure. So that's when I left college, which was like the hardest thing I ever did and decided, all right, this is this is when you start trying. This is when you try to make things cool and you stop being boring and you'd like get over all your fears and anxieties and you make your life an adventure because life wouldn't do it for me. So I had to do it myself. Right. And look at that. You were traveling all over the place, like as, as a audio voice, like you're a voice (laughs) actor (laughs) and you're doing live tours. Isn't that the weirdest thing? Like explaining that to people. I was like, um, cause like for my other job, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna have to take some time off. So there's going to be a sub in for me. I'll be gone for like a month. And they'll be like, oh, what are you doing? And be like, you know, just traveling for my other job, traveling for work. And that would be fine for most people. But then some of them would be like, oh, what's your other job? And I'm like, oh. um, I do, I do voice work. What does that mean? Um, <laughs> Well, uh, this particular one, I'm on a podcast. Oh, what's a podcast? Yep. <laughs> you know, like, you, re- you remember radio, old-time radio, where people would tell stories? I, I, I tell stories. They're like, oh, that's neat. What kind of stories? And I'm like, oh, I tell I tell scary stories. And they're like, you? Because I teach yoga class. And <laughs> <laughs> so in yoga class, I'm like Zen just kind of like, breathe in, breathe out, forward fold, you know. And they're like, oh, Jessica, your voice is so soothing. And I'm like, is it? Is it though? <laughs> Surprise. Because I, I do like guided meditation too. And they're like, oh, your voice, I could just fall right asleep to it. And I'm like, I make people cry. <laughs> you you got to get it out somewhere. So. Right. <laughs> so where can people find more of you and your work online? If you want my audiobooks, um, you can go to audible.com. Just look up Jessica McAvoy. I'll be there. Um, and then if you want to talk to me or like, you know, follow what I do, I'm usually on Twitter. It's at JN McAvoy, which is M-C-E-V-O-Y. There's no A. There has never been an A. There will never be an A. But yeah, check me out there. We can always, uh, I always really like interacting with like uh, the people who listen to stuff. And it's nice having like a little fan group because then you get to talk to everyone individually and it's really fun. Nice. So there you go, everyone. We will have all of those notes in our show notes. And I think that's it, right? Yeah, and thank you so much, Jessica, for being on our show. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. And also, thank you so much for putting on a wonderful performance for No Sleep Live. Yeah, that was fantastic. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening to our little show, dear audience. And thank you to Jessica McAvoy for coming on our weird show. Oh, yeah. Also, extra special thanks to David Cummings for providing us with the audio clip from the No Sleep Podcast. We'll stop singing now. Yeah. This (laughs) This podcast, this podcast, this one right here. This podcast is brought to you by Rode Microphones. You can find out more about their products and what they can do to make you sound as good as we do on Rode.com. That is R-O-D-E.com. Question of the week? If you were a teapot, what kind of teapot would you be? I would be one full of vinegar. <laughs> would you be short and stout? 
I don't know. Are you calling me stout, sir? Well, I do like a good stout once in a while. Beer. I am trying to think of a pun and failing. I'm just going to go make a, a, a vinegar and baking soda volcano now. Yeah, so just tweet at us with uh, <laughs> volcanoes. Or, or or an image of what kind of teapot you would be. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious to know. Crude, crude napkin sketches with lipstick are welcome. It's fine. Uh, definitely. <laughs> if you want to continue the conversation with us and our many guests, you can go to our new Ninth Story Podcast Facebook group. That's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Ninth Story Podcast. Thank you, my friends. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Gonna sing and enjoy it. Then walk away from the thing. Cause you totally Hello, welcome to Skype call testing service. After the beep, please record a message. Afterwards, your message will be played back to you. Hello. I just called to say I'm a weirdo. And you know that it's so true. Hello. I just called to say I'm a weirdo. And you know that it's... It's true. If you are able to hear your own voice, then you have configured Skype correctly. If you hear this message, but not your own voice, Mm -hmm. then something is wrong with your audio recording settings. Now we're good. Please check your microphone and microphone settings or visit (gasps) skype.com for more help. Thank you for using the Skype call testing service. Goodbye. Skype call testing service. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.